Two Fit Crazies and a Microphone podcast is brought to you by Conti Fitness. Get the best in personal and online training and coaching, where you will find monthly online unlimited yoga packages, run training, play yoga, motivational speaking, and more. If that's not all, find out how to get the newest facial exercise program and manual. Let's face it together. Go to ContiFitness.net to find out more. High Five Health and Fitness. Create positive change in your life with online health coaching sessions with High Five Health and Fitness. Also brought to you by Revolution Running. Join world-renowned Dr. Jason Karp for a workshop or certification near you. Author of Run Your Fat Off, Inner Runner, and so many more books. That's R-E-V-O-2-L-U-T-I-O-N, running.com. Also brought to you by 361 Degrees. For the best in athletic footwear and apparel, go one degree beyond with 361 Degrees. For codes and promos, go to twofitcrazies.com and click on the podcast sponsor tab at the top of the page. It is Christine Conte. And I'm Brian Prendergast. And we are Two Fit Crazies. And the microphone. We are where it's at. That was really loud, really boisterous. Blew my eardrums out. Yeah. Hope all the listeners are like awake now and ready for this. We are where it's at. Exactly. Bring on that. Bring on that letter of cease and desist. <laughs> bring it on. We freaking dare you. Uh, Let's go. We're making it. Tempting. Making it. It's coming all the way up. Hashtag. So we are super pumped as we always are. And this is episode 38 that's going to be coming up Yeah, with another freaking heavy hitter. I sound like, <clears throat> sound like I've been... Are you sound, all right? I, I sound like I've been having some late night phone conversations. <laughs> My voice is a little hoarse this week. Yeah. You, so, you quit your teaching job. You got to do what you got to do, you know? I mean, the podcast, the, our equipment sits here dormant at night. So I figured I would just, you know, make some extra side hustle with, you know, some extra phone calls. <laughs> yeah. The silk tones. Oh my gosh. It, things are getting a little kooky. So we just came off of episode 37 with the Mr. Lamont Good. What'd you think about him, Brian? He's very cool. Isn't he cool? Yeah, no. Lamont is in tune. Yeah. Yeah. Which, right. which I love. I mean, I love, I believe that those things, I, you know, I, I, I'm bought in on all of that. And, uh, you know, it was just very, very cool. He gets his inspiration from the Terminator and technology and, and technology and, and machinery and the way things move. It was, uh, it was really, he mentioned pretty, the matrix. Yeah. Like, it was, it was pretty street cool. fighter. Yeah. So he, Lamont, if you didn't get a chance to listen to it, please do. He is the creator of cyber yoga and it's a fusion and cyber we talked about was actually an, an acronym, acronym yeah. and it's an acronym for calisthenics yoga, breaking evolution, revolution and yoga. And what was cool is that, um, he is actually, if you take a look at him, he's got like this just amazing Instagram presence and all over the place, but it describes him as a dancer, artist, and model. And again, I got a chance to meet Lamont like three and a half years ago. We kind of, you know, stayed, uh, stayed connected and just, you can't, you can't describe what he does. He's got an electric feel to him. And it's, it's, uh, the positions he puts his body in and it is, it really is art. He's an artist and is involved in film and in theater and, Again, like commercials, like videos, oh all this stuff. Yeah. Wait, who's the most impressive one that he's worked with that you saw? Snoop. 
Okay. Snoop Deal Double G. Oh my gosh. Uh, who else? He was in Alvin and the Chipmunks. Yeah. He was in, uh, yeah, all sorts of He was of, doing um, like head spins uh, yeah. on commercials. You, you're going to be, you're you gonna got be so served. Freaked. I think it was oh, yeah. you got served. Yeah. A man, yeah. like, so cool. And I mean, that's, that's just kind of the tip of the iceberg. He and when you that. met him, he walked in, he came in on a hoverboard, hoverboard. using, doing a headstand. Who, and, um, he had just come off of the, um, like a television interview for her. James Corden? James, yeah. Is that his name? James Corden, I think, was what it was. The carpool karaoke oh, fella? Oh my gosh. It was. Hashtag? He's so, he's so amazing. And, um, he's actually, he, he had said he's going to be on the gong show pretty soon. Yes. So. I, I cannot wait for you guys to see a very good episode number 37. Yeah. So uh, we're excited and we're super excited for you guys to get a chance to listen to episode 38, another heavy hitter. And her name is Irene Lewis McCormick, who is literally so awesome. Someone that has been in the fitness industry for, I think she said 30 years now, 30 years. Yep. Um, present all over the world for every single top organization from SCW to idea. She's involved with octane fitness, orange theory, fitness, um, with Rika. She's been in a bazillion DVD. She's with Xavier fitness, power systems. Um, the author of the hit advantage, uh, woman's guide to muscle strength. It, she's a professor and, on I, a really scientific yeah. end. Yeah, she's a professor at Drake University in Des Moines, Iowa. So we get into the life, uh, the crazy lifestyles of uh, Des Moines, Iowa, just a little bit. But uh, yeah, it was a really great, it's a great conversation, and uh, you know she's she's got you know unbelievable knowledge and uh, information, uh, and and really what we you know we kind of tap into is that you can have all the knowledge in the world, but uh, it's that connecting personality where you get to um, you know you you get to engage people and uh, and. And that's really the big difference maker when when it comes to fitness and things and what she's seeing in some of the newcomers that, uh, you know, it's just, uh, it's just an interesting conversation. And not just fitness, but in life. in life. Like if you're not, and I say this all the time, you know, Christine, how do you know this or this? I said, because I freaking love people. <laughs> I love people. I will talk to a telephone pole. I want to know your story. I want to know. You relationships, know yo. I'm going to drop the mic. That's it. Relate, how do you be successful? Form relationships. Pay attention. Listen. And one of the ways you can form a relationship with us is by um, subscribing to our podcast on iTunes. It's uh, it's really helpful to us, and it really goes a long way in helping us um, share our message and, uh, and spread the word. Uh, so if you could and you listen to this and you like what you hear – Throw us a rating, subscribe, and, uh, and and give us a listen. Give us feedback, too. We love that. Good job, Brian. You're welcome. <laughs> Good job. You're welcome. Uh, high five. Oh, my goodness. And with that, we give you episode 38 with Irene Lewis McCormick. Enjoy. Peace.
Christine Conti. And I'm Brian Prendergast. And we are Two Fit Crazies. And a microphone. We are where it's at. Brian, I'm going to ask you every single podcast, how you feeling today? I feel very good. Thank goodness. Unbelievable. Thank goodness. You I'm, know. Wait, I'm waiting for the day, you know? I'm bound to have a bad day one of these days. <laughs> It's not not today. I don't think it's going to happen. It ain't today. I don't think it's going to happen. No, no, it's not today. I just won't let it. No. I love it. That's why I walk in. I got it. Even if I'm having a bad day, Brian's like, no, we're good. We're good. He told me today that I need to download some stuff from the universe. So we'll talk about that at another time. But what uh, what we want to do is get right into it today because we have such a phenomenal guest. This is episode 38, right, Brian? Yes, it is. Holy moly. And we have- We're rolling. Rolling. And we have the- Irene Lewis McCormick with us today. How are you, Irene? I am great. I am so pleased to be with you. Thanks so much for having me. All right. And our listeners are just, they are going to have such a blast with you because you are, I wanted to say that literally you're like a a pioneer, a maverick, an amazing, amazing person in the fitness industry. And if our listeners do not know who you are, they're going to know after today who the Irene is, because you span from books to presentations to awards. I mean, your hand is in so many pots in the fitness industry that you have so much to offer. And I cannot wait to, uh, to start picking your brain about what you do and all the information you have to give our listeners and people about fitness and, and what they can be doing to become more healthy. So excited. So excited. So, Irene, where are you located right now? You know, it's interesting. Um, when I when I do my sessions and presentations, I introduce myself and I tell people, Hi, you guys. I'm Irene. I'm from Des Moines, Iowa. Mm-hmm. And I have to pause for effect. There is a dead silence. <laughs> 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 because people are like, where's Des Moines? Why would you live there? Um, I'm actually from Los Angeles, native of Southern California, but I came to Iowa in 1994 to go to graduate school, and I got married, and here I am in Des Moines, Iowa. Mm-hmm. Okay. Wow, that's a that's a different climate <laughs> really compared different. to compared Most to Southern LA. The other way, they go to LA, but um, you know, I just think I was put where I need to be. That's all there is to it. And when you travel around the world, who really cares where you live when you're someone like you, right? That's right. Exactly yeah. true. I mean, no matter where you go, there you are, right? <laughs> true. Very true. So what, what, uh, what is happening in Des Moines these days? Now, I understand you, you work at Drake? I do. I am actually adjunct faculty at Drake University in the kinesiology department. It's a small department. It's new. It's growing. Very common um, in the higher education uh, levels are trying to create more opportunity for students and you know professionals to learn about fitness. But um, one of the things that I notice, I have a lot of friends who are faculty or adjunct faculty, is that they want to create this educational component for students, but they sometimes miss the mark when it comes to the practical component because it's really important to understand research and legitimate information about exercise science in particular, but you have to also know how to talk to people. You have to know how to smile. It's really (laughs) important, those interpersonal skills, um, to be a fitness professional. So it's wonderful to have all that academic background, but you got to be able to sell. 
I, you know what, we've we've encountered that for sure. Uh, you know, the the with with the the intellectual, uh, you know, and, and, and you know, sometimes comes that that uh, you know the personality that just doesn't understand uh, you know interaction very well. Uh, it's it's very important. That's funny that you say that. Now I am I am a running geek and I'm a track geek and I am a fan of that blue track that you have there at Drake and the Drake relays and everything that comes with it. That's awesome. Right, right. Nope. I'm uh I'm like the guy who like you know will either be following it on Twitter Did or Did you camp out with multiple computers? No, I didn't camp out with oh multiple computers, but no, I'm a bit I, w- I wait for the Twitter feed and then the next day I'm I'm all over results and everything else. That's a big that's a big meet. It's a big event. Oh, cool. Yes. Yeah. Oh my goodness. So Yeah, it really is. So, Irene, let's let's talk about this. So, obviously, I have, you know, we have we haven't really um had a lot of conversations together. I know that you have been at SCWs for a while. I was presenting um, with Play Yoga. I used to be attendee and then kind of always did fitness in the background. And now um, I've actually left investment banking and teaching. And now I am actually full-time fitness industry, which is really super exciting. And for someone like, and yeah, right. I know it's uh, we all have these different paths that we, that we follow. Now, what we love to ask our guests is this for, for you, when did you know that you wanted to be in the fitness industry? I mean, I'm sure it was because of, I want to make a million dollars. So I want to be a fitness instructor, right? <laughs> oh my gosh. You know, it's so interesting. First of all, Christine, yay for you for being an enthusiast and then making the transition into the industry. That's how you do it. If anyone is out there going, I really want to be a fitness professional, you cannot be a fitness professional until you're a fitness enthusiast. Mm -hmm. That's the way it works. You don't wake up one morning and go, I think I want to start teaching classes and teach training clients. It just doesn't work like that. So you did it right. And sometimes I meet people that feel, oh, maybe less than or, oh, you know, I was just an enthusiast and then I just kind of decided I want to do it. And I'm like, why, why would you feel even slightly negative about that pathway? That's how you do it. You're doing it right. There's a lot of people that, you know, want to take the academic route like Brian was just mentioning, but it doesn't translate all the time into success. So being an enthusiast first is really important. I didn't really have a choice. My first job when I was 16 years old, I had to get a work permit to do this. I lived in Thousand Oaks, California, was at Lovely Lady Figure Salon. <laughs> Guys. Oh, I, I love it. Those clear tights with a song. Oh. <laughs> and... We're talking the 80s here. I'm 50 years old, so here's what's going on. I had no idea what I was doing, but I was doing, you know, I was leading classes and, you know, doing jumping jacks and then going straight to the floor and doing, at the time, which now we call burpees, but then we just called, I don't know what we called them. And, you know, I had the cherry cloth headband and the whole deal. I had no idea what I was doing. I was one of the first people to take the AFA exam in 1987. I took it with Linda Shelton, who is, like, iconic Mm -hmm. in the fitness industry as far as, like, you know, like a leader, has been there forever. And um, I still, you know, am learning. But that's how long I've been teaching. And I didn't know that I was going to make it a career. In fact, my mom, who's past now but you know i'm like you know in my third you know 25th year of a, as a fitness professional my mom would say to me things like do you still do that jumping up and down job <laughs> yes mom i still do that jumping up and down job because you know they did a lot of women in, 
the 40s and 50s and 60s, they didn't grow up with Jane Fonda. So exercise for them was really, you know, it was kind of different and not really normal. But, um, you know, it's, it's part of our lifestyle now. And I really didn't know that it would take me into a career. I did other jobs, and I always came back to fitness, always. Irene, tell me the name of that. Oh. Tell me the name of that business one more time. I need to eBay and see if I can get a T-shirt or something. (laughs) It was called Lovely Lady Figure Salon. And we legit had the kind of stuff. If you were to watch an I Love Lucy episode, you know how they have like the bell and like the roller that went around. I would literally take clients through sessions and I would have them go to that little roller and I would tell them, this is for your cellulite. And I'd give them, like, one-pound dumbbells and have them do, like, a 100 reps. And I would not let them stay on the treadmill. Well, actually, we didn't have treadmills. We had life cycles. They were up, upright recumbent right. bikes. Yeah. And I would, let, I would not let my ladies be on there for more than 12 minutes at a time. Do not ask me why. But that was the guideline. Thank, mm-hmm. thank God oh, for science. God. Thank you, science. <laughs> Thank you, exercise science and research for helping us not be so stupid. For real. Thank you so much. I mean, and there are still people out there doing things. They, honest to God, don't know where they're getting their ideas. They may not be bad ideas. The hard part is that if you do a biceps curl and you perform the movement incorrectly, as long as you're flexing the elbow joint and extending it, you're probably going to get a result. And so a lot of bad happens. But people get what they look for, and so that's how come a lot of things happen incorrectly or poorly. It's really it's really difficult. We're, we're dealing with an unregulated industry. The fitness industry is not regulated. Anyone who wants to join in can join in. So that makes it awesome for a lot of people to find opportunity, but also challenging to really maintain quality. That's a challenge. It's it's really that's that's the biggest you know part of the struggle that with it is you know the people that will come to me and say you know I got this information I say oh great where'd you get it from you know and it's the guy at the gym you know and and maybe he's a certified you know so I, I take us into that you're doing a lot of research with uh, with exercise uh, science and 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 how do we differ, differentiate you know the the good and the bad I mean there's there's a study out there that'll tell us anything is good um, you know based on yeah. you know how, how do we differentiate with that it's so hard because like you'll read a story about a berry that is grown in this jungle and for the people that live indigenously in that community that particular berry may be amazing for them but that doesn't mean it's going to translate to the rest of the population but that's how those fads and myths and trends kind of come about is because people glom on to one idea and my heart is i mean empathetic totally i i don't judge with respect to people coming to me even though they're very misinformed i'm excited that they're even interested it's okay if they don't know. Um, it's just, you know, what's really hard is uncoachable fitness professionals. That is difficult because if you think you know, you should probably exit the industry right away because I've been doing this for almost over 30 years and there's still so much stuff I don't know or understand um, because it's so robust and, and, and research is changing constantly and I'm trying to keep up with it but um, it is really difficult to understand and kind of wade through it all but you know you just you just try to lift people up and be as supportive as possible that's kind of what I just I feel like is important to do lift people up you know absolutely I think that's one of the reasons too as I was talking to you earlier that you know 
we need as fitness professionals, as you know, people that are dealing with health and nutrition and wellness and coaching that no one really knows what exactly to do. And they're looking for that one thing or that answer. And for Brian and I, we felt there needs to be a place that can be, you know, really some unbiased information. And we felt that that was lacking in the industry. So, you know, you don't have a platform that, which is why we created this podcast. So two fit crazies in a microphone. This is, this is what we need. We need people like you. And you know, that, that is the goal that we can come out to people and say, listen, we've, here's some ideas. Here's what you have heard. Like, Oh Lord, no, that's not correct. (laughs) Or, you know, we've, we're bringing on, you know, again, really the, the, the gods of the fitness industry that are up on the exercise science and can say, listen, you know, this is, this is Irene. She's been in this industry for 30 years. What you are doing is, is not great. And you know what? We are happy that you are doing something rather than nothing. But like you said, exercise science, the the stuff when I started in the industry, um, I always did it as, you know, kind of part time, that side hustle while working or banking or teaching. And the things that I even remember being taught and in all of the, you know, certifications and whatnot. I look at now and I'm like, oh my gosh, that was so dangerous. Or, you know, do you, do you remember stepping and throwing weights up over your head? Because I do. And they said that it was safe. It was definitely not safe. <laughs> you know, well, you know, and the thing is that people get a, they get a result. I mean, you can, the, the heart, one of the biggest issues that I have, this is so interesting, I find anyway, I have, a, you know, a ton of, Obviously, I work with college students, and I teach the prep course for the CSCS um, exam for NSCA. It's a really intense course. Um, You have to have a degree to sit for that exam. It's really, really robust. It takes two semesters to teach all of the content. And one of the number one burning questions that my students have for me, how do you cycle testosterone? Can you believe that? (laughs) <laughs> yeah, that's what they want to know. They want to know. And they, like, tell me, so I have it on my exams, and I make sure when we, when we cover the section on hormones and the endocrine system, I always talk about the legality of using exogenous testosterone, um, state laws, federal laws, and, you know, the biggest issue, in my opinion, and that doesn't mean I'm right, but I think I'm right, of course, <laughs> is with testosterone in particular, it works. Right. That's the problem. Right. It works. Yeah. And so people, they, these, these kids, they get it. They get it. They find it. They can, they have access to it and they use it. Unfortunately, it's not sustainable, but it's so interesting to me because I know how to cycle with it. Of course I do. I lecture on it, but I don't advocate that. But it's really interesting because I know that a lot of them are using a lot of them. A lot. they're athletes. It, it's so it's so much more rampant than I mean you're on the uh-huh. front lines of course with college students and teaching them and obviously by the questions that you're getting but I mean it is everywhere and like everywhere. you said everywhere and and they 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 know how to get it they just need to know now how to use it so they go to you and, yeah. and they ask you to we did uh, this is this is episode 38 for us episode 36 episode 36 was um was things that we do in the name of health that aren't so healthy and 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 this is like one of them you know we do things to to that we think are are health are healthy for us and you know even the nutrition and the myths and the you know the legends and things like that out there it's just it's crazy um so that's uh that's really wild that that's the number one question that you get yeah it's 
really interesting. I, I, I never, I expect it now, but at the time when they first started coming to me that way, but, um, and, and probably one of the other things that a lot of my students, and, you know, I present for ACSM, and at that conference in particular, you get a lot of college students, and it's so exciting because these kids are super smart, and I call them kids only because they're about the age of my own children, so I don't mean to be a meanie or disrespectful, but they're kids to me. Sure. Um, and they are, you know, they really, they're good, they're good at movement, they understand, you know, they, they have great form and technique, but trans referring that information to other individuals, that's probably the one thing, and it's the communication, and I try to work with some of the, the faculty and my department chair, and I know some of my other friends who work at the college level have the same issues, and it's like, you guys, these kids have to learn how to smile. They have to be the first person to walk into the room and go, hi, how are you? My name is Susan. I'm your trainer, or, you know, whatever, because I see a trainer on the back of your shirt, you know, it says trainer, and you're walking through the club, crunch, or lifetime, or whatever. Two things I think in my mind, and I'm a fitness professional, I think, oh my God, he's going to ask me for money, (laughs) or two, he's going to tell me what I'm doing wrong, and I want to run to the hills. I mean, who's going to make a career wearing a shirt, a sign on your back, basically, that says... I'm going to talk to you in a condescending manner. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's like it's like when the police officer pulls behind you when you're not even speeding. You know, you're like, oh, please don't pull me over. Like, oh my god! <laughs> exactly. So it's, it's so unfortunate. Yeah. So I mean, you know, but it's it's kind of where we are. I know that you lecture and you do a bunch of lectures. I've popped into different sessions. I'm always like that incognito person, the voyeuristic oh, person in the back who, who yeah. I'm the watcher because I love to learn from others. That's me. I feel like 18, I peaked, I knew everything in the world and now I've gotten dumber each year, which is totally fine. But you know, you realize what you don't know. And I like to surround myself and I like to watch people that are better than me because that's how you get better. You surround yourself with people who are just amazing and you learn from them. And one of the things you lecture about is, is actually interacting with people. And for myself, I was a high school teacher for 15 years and one thing that I know, I know is in the trenches, one thing coach and, you know, fitness industry as well, which is why I transition. Cause you can't do it all. You know, it's kind of tough. Um, so one thing that I noticed, which you just touched upon is that social interaction and you, you do lecture about this, whether it is you are a fitness professional or maybe you're just someone who, you know, is a student learning or, or maybe you're just a fitness, um, participant, Um, The interaction, I think, is fascinating that you just touched upon because if you do not present yourself in a certain way, um, I learned personally with the rise of technology, the lack of social interaction. And I know that you just said that. You just touched upon it. And I'm sorry, millennials that are out there. I'm going to (laughs) generalize for a moment. But the the rise of technology has definitely caused a decrease in socialization. And I know you lecture about that. What are some of the things that you have seen? I think it's fascinating. Well, um, you know, I do a lot of education for Orange Theory Fitness. And it doesn't matter and to me in the uh, uh, Philippines where it's whether you, people like it or not. It is a, a disruptor hugely in the industry. That model, that Orange Theory Fitness model, whether it's Berry's Boot Camp or Burn Boot Camp or Pure Bar or Soul Cycle, whatever, that whole model has attracted those millennial trainers and instructors in addition to doing a lot of other things to our industry. And so with respect to the education that I frequently will provide, for example, for Orange Theory, I get a lot of 
young trainers. And they are bright and they're smart and they have great, you know, personal skills and they're really kind and, you know, everything, but they just don't always have, they, they kind of are missing sometimes, not all, but that empathy chip for that woman who's my age who may need to lose 35 pounds or more. They have to realize that the way that they communicate is so critically important. They got to put the cell phone down and they have to literally learn how to listen. And that is the one thing that I find that if it's a weakness, it can be overcome because these guys are awesome. The coaches that I work with are fabulous. They're just young. They just don't have, you know, sometimes the experience to realize that um, not everybody, you know, just gets texting or, you know, can just pop onto Instagram, no problem. Or, you know, it's, it's, it, that's, it's really interesting working with those guys. But once they understand what the expectations are, they usually will rise to the occasion really well. But teaching them communication strategy, literally have to walk them through it. It's the kind of stuff you'd think that they'd learn at home, like mom would teach you this or that. And probably mom did, but it's generational. It's really interesting. But yeah, being able to make sure people understand that you're actually listening to them is so important. You have to be kind. That's it. I'm with you on that. You know what I was thinking as you said that, Irene, that um, you know, for people out there that are that are looking for trainers or looking for somewhere to go, it's important to find a trainer that, Irene, you said, you know, especially with Orange Theory, which I'm going to ask you about in a second, that when when someone sees that woman you said that's maybe 40 pounds overweight it's not just seeing that woman 40 pounds overweight but that woman is probably 40 pounds overweight because of what has she just been through a divorce has she been through something has she yeah. and it's that seeing that bigger picture that whole person that's what's so important in the fitness industry that's what makes someone like you or Brian or myself you know able to have a career in fitness because it's not just one thing it is every single piece of what is going on what's your fitness what's your job like i mean you know people come and say oh i just can't i can't i can't okay well all right is it just the fact that it's you you can't run a mile or all right, okay. Do you like your job? I hate my job. How's yeah, your family? Yep. I hate my wife. How's your, all oh, my kids driving me nuts. Okay, now we're go. getting somewhere. All right. That's so. the real nutrition. Yeah. Whoa. You know. Um, yeah, and, and to your point, especially respect to some of these younger trainers and educators, which are, I'm so glad they're coming into the industry. Gosh, we need them so badly. It's just that they just don't realize that just because they can doesn't mean other people can so one of my big conversations with some of the younger coaches is listen guys it's never about you as soon as you enter that studio when the class starts or the group training begins i don't want to hear a peep about your ability to lift your strength levels your endurance levels no one cares about you and that's hard for them because they've grown up this generation is used to, you know, everybody gets a trophy, everyone gets a medal, everybody's, you know, celebrated. That. And that's hard for some of these guys to do is to really, really understand you have to make everything about the client and the class, everything. And that's hard. It's so, yeah. easier said than done. You just got your second slow clap of the uh, podcast so far. If you so can see, see me, Brian was I slow am clapping. Slow for clapping. You. That's it. It's everything. It's that connection. You know, I always say, I'm going to love you until you can love yourself, and then we're going to get going, you know, and, and you know, and, and they, it, I don't think that it's just a fitness issue with the 
you know, kids of a certain age, and and uh, and I, you know, I see it. I'm totally. I'm 43. I I uh, you know, I can definitely see the difference in it. And there's a lot of it's a very uh, image driven uh, age, and it's an image driven you know generation where you know everything is Instagram, and it is about looks. And they like we get back to what we were talking about before. You know, you might get results doing certain things. It doesn't necessarily mean it's the right way. So they have to, you know, yeah. they really have to see it in a different way. But I was like that when I first yeah. started teaching fitness, you know, I would be doing the classes and going hard and, and it was all about, I don't, you know, I re- it was, it's much different. I think hopefully the focus now is what we're trying to really change is that, you know, fitness was like, go as hard as humanly possible, crawl out of the class, like I'm dead. Scrape you off the ground. Right. And, yeah. and that was what it was. And for me, even that was what it was for a long time before almost like an epiphany. I think that epiphany of not that I'm not that any of us are like, you know, 95 years old, which I hope pray that we all are still moving, but it's, there's a point of what's more important. It's taking care of the whole self and the whole self is the mind, the body going for longevity as opposed to let's see how much weight I can throw over my head or let's see how many burpees I can do in a minute. Is that functional? Like, is that going to transfer over to me picking something up off the floor and, or picking up a child or a grandchild and not throwing my back out, you know? Yeah. So interesting too, because I do spend a lot of time, and I and you're seeing. I mean, we've been talking about functional training now for years, ten years minimally. But a lot of our clients and our consumer participants, they don't really understand the connection between guys. How you do it in here, meaning the weight room or the studio, should translate to what you're doing out there. I call it train. I call it train to translate. I talk about that all the time. How you do the lift in here is going to be how you're going to lift the cat litter out of the, the off the bottom shelf at PetSmart. It's the same exact move. So, and when you start talking about that to people, they're like, "Oh my gosh, they really get it!" But they need that connection, and that is one of the things that a trainer or a consumer of fitness or anybody excited or interested in moving think about how you're going to empty your dishwasher. And that's how you're going to do that rotational movement on the suspension trainer. It's the same thing. There's really no difference except I, I get kind of frustrated sometimes too, and this is just me, I'm sure, but people get really committed to like their Fitbit or their Apple Watch or whatever, and they think that if they're not ca- you know, ch- chalking up caloric expenditure, that it's not worth it. It's not a valuable movement pattern. And some of those subtle, quiet movements are the most important moves, and they may not register on a Fitbit, but they're the ones that are going to change your life with respect to not getting hurt. And that sometimes is really hard to, to um, help people understand. But, you know, just talking about how people exercise until they're dead when it's really about function. It's not really about, you know, being so sore that you can barely move because people are like, oh, my gosh, she's the best trainer ever. I can barely move after I take a class with her. And that's a measurement of success? No. But we're, we're moving past that. I'm really excited to, to know that that's happening. People are getting smarter. They really are. How? How are they getting smarter? That's that's what we want to get into. How How is that happening? Because the state of the industry... We're hoping it's going in the right direction, but what do you what do you see? What are you seeing? Well, I think that trainers and instructors are getting because you have to keep in mind. For example, when I started training in um, you know eighty five, eighty nine, ninety, 
an undergraduate degree in exercise and sports science was unheard of. <laughs> now it's relatively common. I had mentioned Drake's you know, program is five years old now, and most universities are catching on board. They're like, oh, we need to have some sort of kinesiology program because all these kids are wanting jobs in the fitness industry. What does that even mean? And I'm like, okay, guys, at the academic level, keep in mind, they need to understand how to communicate with people. They're not going to be doing blood draws when people are running on a treadmill, not in, not in a fitness center. <laughs> so we have to teach them all those skills. But these students, they're actually learning, you know, how, the science of movement. They may not always know the fate of pyruvate, but they do understand anaerobic glycolysis. They understand what exercises you do to get breathy and breathless. And I feel like with the, that influx of education, it is really changing the game for um, for fitness professionals. And I think it's going to change even more. I think I'll be out of the industry by the time this happens, but we will be regulated. There will be a board certification and it will be federal. I know it will happen, but it won't happen for a while. I, change I hope so. I, you know, I just, even the way that yeah. like the continuing ed is set up for trainers, I said oh. it would be, it, the, the industry would change a great deal if trainers were re, were required to take one continuing ed for something that they didn't want to take. Right. With, uh-huh. So like, wh- how do we look at it? We look at it. We're like, Oh, this, you know, I just got to get this done and it's, you know, and it's nutrition and that's my background or it's group classes and that's my background or it's running and that's my background so i'm just gonna do that because it's what i like and i don't learn anything out of my own box and you know i I just tell us about that what do you think about that well i think first of all i've been a continuing education provider for many years for ace afn and now nasm because afn nasm joined forces a few years ago but um it's really interesting i i i'm gonna be real for just a second um a little bit of a racket, to be totally honest sure. with you. I mean, I'm writing continuing education courses. I submit them to a governing body, ACE or AFA. Somebody there, I have to assume, is knowledgeable and educated, approves me. I'm thinking, you got to be kidding me. Let, how about if I approve you? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> let me see what you write. I mean, let's see what kind of content you're developing. I assume that they are qualified individuals have to. And then they say, okay, great, yeah, we'll approve this, and you can provide this, and it's going to cost you this much money. What a racket, truly, it is. I mean, because the content could be wonderful or it could be crap. Right. I mean, if it's product-based, then I don't know if they're necessarily doing it. It's really interesting. Um, and I do have a lot of faith in ACE, and I do have a lot of faith in AFA and NASM, and I'm, you know, glad to be a continuing education provider. But I do think about that. You know, I've never had anything rejected um, with respect to submitting continuing education, but it's like somebody in an office is approving that <laughs> and then telling me that, okay, that's okay for you to submit. And then with respect to people, the end user, yeah, I mean, it's a minimal requirement to find places to learn more, but a lot of people like Christy, uh, Christine, you were talking about the manias and how you, you know, had attended, and that's the top 1% of fitness professionals. There are more people than not that do not go to conferences, would mm-hmm. not even think of going to a conference, and they may not have a current certification, but who's asking? Nobody's asking. Right. I mean, they may ask when you initially apply for a job, but once you get hired and you've been a trainer at that facility for 20 years, who's really keeping track? I mean, really. You're right. Interesting. Yeah. It's crazy. You know? It's it's so quite the monopoly. Like, so. 
it's easy to cheat. Yeah, it really is. It, and it's it's interesting that really the the companies there's only a few companies out there. I mean, I haven't really sat back and thought about this, but really, you know, even as a as a presenter and and as someone who goes out and and does, you know, offer, you know, CECs through Playoga and teaches and certifies people, really it's, you know, even, you know, if I bring my own programs, that's you know, who am I applying to? AFA, ACE, you know, NASM. It's the same yeah. same thing. And what makes them, you know, what makes my programs or someone else's, like, how are you going to, why would you reject it if, if they're going to get money either way? I, I mean, it makes sense for them to approve everything, doesn't it? Right. Yeah. But, like, That's do they... Yeah, do they even have the denied rubber stamp? You know, do they even have own that, or is it just like, yep, looks good, let's get them in and get them out? And you know, and 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 then again, who's going to take that specific CEC? You know, that that course is somebody who's like, kind of, well, this looks like good. I think I would like this. You know, and and you're just going to learn something more about what you kind of already know instead of expanding your your knowledge in something that you know maybe would even bore you a little bit, or something's a little bit more scientific. Um, but oh, in, yeah. in the long run, would be much, you know, much more helpful. What are you? Know, you? That science stuff is tough. Yeah. You know, it comes down to because people ask me all the time, like, "Oh my God, how did you know this?" I'm like, memorization. Yeah. That is how I know it. I'm not that smart, but I have memorized. It's just like any medical student. How do they get through med school? They memorize. Memorize stuff. everything. How do you do it. And then the good trainer or educator or conference presenter, they bring it to life and they make it alive for you. And you put yourself on the treadmill running and you're breathless and you're like, oh, my God, I'm using my anaerobic energy system. And as I cool, you know, as I transition down into like a base recovery and then I come back up to that, you know, that push pace where I get breathy again, it is really cool to think about it in terms of the energy systems. That's how you learn it. Sure. Put yourself in those positions, and you, it, if you can, if an educator can do that for you, I hope, oh, pray that that's what I do for my students. That's how they learn it, and then it's exciting because literally every single time you exercise, you are a teeny little exci- scientific experiment happening. It's really pretty cool if you think about it like that. But that's how you learn it. That's what makes it not boring. I think it's interesting too. With um, we were actually talking to, of course, uh, you know, the last couple of years, you kind of sit down and talk to people, and um, my buddy Fabio Comana, of course, you know, um, was uh, he was was talking a bunch about attending, you know, programs and attending an SCW an idea or whatever, and that when a trainer should go or someone who's interested in fitness, I mean, again, like our listeners, you don't have to be a fitness professional to attend these conferences, to sure. attend, you know, Irene's lectures and whatnot. And what's important is that um, Fabio told this story, Irene, about how he was talking to someone, um, I don't know, at one of the conferences, and he said, what was your favorite session? And they were like, oh, I loved this session because I walked out and I felt like I was dead. And he was like, uh, okay, that was your favorite. And, and he was like, well, what other ones did you like? Well, they were like, I loved all the ones. I just went to every single one where I could just kill my body. And he was like, wow, that's, you know, in his accent, oh, that's interesting. Okay. Yeah. So um, he was saying, you know, that's the problem. That's one of the problems with the industry is that, you know, people will go and just educate themselves on the movement as opposed to attend the lectures, which, you know, we're saying is all about the science, is all about why are you doing what you're doing? Why are you running at a push pace or breathless pace? What, why are you doing this? And how does it affect your aerobic base, your glycogen system? What, 
I mean, as a participant, okay, great. Maybe, maybe you're just the average Joe. I don't need to explain the glycogen system and the scientific blah, 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 how your, you know, synapses are firing. However, as the trainer, you should know that stuff that makes me fired up because you should know the workouts that you're presenting to your people. The why? I mean, that's it. So have you seen that at conferences? Have you seen it getting any better? Um, I'm seeing it getting a lot better, and that's one of the things I think I was alluding to with some of the, you know, the younger, the younger um, folks that are entering the industry. They're learning that stuff. They just don't necessarily know how to bring it to life. And I think the, the communication part is the part that is probably their weakest link. But they can learn that too. But um, it is really disconcerting when I do an educational session. I teach a TRX certification, or I teach a. Um, a bar above training, and they don't even know major muscles. I'm like, guys, vastus medialis, blank yeah. stare. Yeah. Okay, um, last 10 degrees of knee extension. They look at me, what? Okay, I don't necessarily expect you to know that detail, but the vastus medialis is the teardrop-shaped muscle on the inside of your knee. You have to know that. That is non-negotiable. Muscles, joints, and Joint actions are things that are absolutely prerequisites. Don't even tell me that you train or teach unless you know that. It's memorization. you got to learn it. And they will, but no one is really telling them they have to. I mean, you know, sometimes a great personality can supersede a lack of knowledge. And frankly, I'm excited when I see that because probably that person's really coachable. The, the most the, the disheartening for me is somebody who's really smart. But couldn't cue you out of a wet paper bag. That's really upsetting. That's like, oh my gosh, seriously? I mean, you could probably send a man to the moon with your knowledge, but you couldn't get me to, you know. And that, that's, I think. So I'd rather have somebody who is really excited about helping other people and know how, knows how to move than somebody who's overeducated and underskilled. That's the hardest. It's tough. It's tough. I mean, you have to, in this industry, it's, you know, you're not, you know, the, you have to motivate people and you have to literally, I mean, be in front of someone and make an entire room of people feel like they are the only person in that room. Right. And that is what, right. Exactly. The gym is just an empty building without that. I mean, there's stuff there to do, but I mean, that's, that's like when, when people really get engaged and they really are, it's, you know, it's that, it's that family, it's that fellowship, it's that connection. It's, you know, it's really those things. It's the small groups that kind of break off into each group. My wife is, is a, is a dancer. She loves the dance classes and she like shakes she goes and she does the hip hop and Zumba. It started as Zumba, but it's evolved into something really crazy. And you know, those, those, and her trainer is amazing. And, and, and everybody is, is there is, is really great. And that's what gets her, you know, engaged. And that's what makes her, that's puts the smile on her face. They get together outside of the gym. You know, that's their group. They're, they're like a little, little dancing posse of, uh, of, of moms. It's pretty awesome. Uh, not all moms, but yeah, but, uh, you know, so like that is, like I said, the gym is just a, like a building with stuff in it without all that, You, you know, you can go there and do something and you can even go there and sweat. Um, but I think that the end game is, is really that, that, that social connection, the tribal, the connection. yeah, that tribal, mm-hmm. you know, feeling to it all and the fellowship of it. Well, therein lies the influx of all these boutique programs. That's exactly what they've learned how to capture. Orange Theory in particular, they have learned 
how to market Epoch. Epoch is nothing new. We've known about this for years, but they have marketed it. They call it Afterburn. And people think that it's an amazing workout because you have this magical Epoch that's happening. Oh, my God. When in, this is, you know, in reality, this has been going on for years, but they have just, and they've also created that tribe mentality. And CrossFit has done an amazing job at creating the tribe mentality. Nothing has been in the industry. CrossFit was a game changer. A little bit too intense for some people, but other individuals saw the opportunity with that model. So it's just, it's magical really um, to move people into. And millennials want to, they want to move around. I mean, they don't want to commit to any, they don't have kids. They don't need a YMCA. They don't need childcare. They don't need the pool. They will buy class pass and they will pop from one studio to another, to another, and to another. And that's awesome and very appealing um, for the end user, but I mean, the owner and manager and studio, you know, the people who have to sell those memberships and create those connections, it makes it a little bit more challenging. But that mentality is really different than what we had in the mid 90s, and it's really rampant. I mean, that's why you see this giant influx of all these boutique programs and Equinox and Lifetime and 24 Hour and all these big box gyms are trying to figure out how do we replicate that? What do we do to make it happen inside our facility? And they are. They're making it happen. They have to, to compete. Wow. I have a really good question for you. Are you ready? Yeah. Okay. Fill in the blank. We are a five-zone heart rate-based interval training system where we're in zones three, four, and five. That is your... (laughs) <laughs> that is your green your orange and your red yes i i had to i had to drop that on you here's the deal irene because i am someone who wants knowledge so i had a friend who bought the rights to um a bunch of them in this area and again i don't do a lot of training because i you know i travel a lot and do some other things but um he had said you know would you come train and i'm like listen i don't have time i don't have time to do this but i had dropped into some orange theories around the country while traveling at fitness conventions you know to work out and i love education I want to know every, this is before I literally quit my job. I love to learn and I'm just, I love to teach and I love to learn and I can't learn enough. And I knew that Orange Theory was, I wanted to know about their company. I knew that they were popping up. I knew that they were, they had something, right? That thing, like I, I didn't know what it was. So why not educate yourself on a very successful company? That was my, literally, Christine's theory. You know, I wanted to know what, what made this, what made Ellen Latham kind of like, you know, um, really, we're going to actually ask Ellen to, to come on and talk about uh, Orange Theory. But um, that was one of the things that I wanted to know. I was curious. So, you know, I, my friend who had bought those rights and, you know, every once in a while I'll do some trainings for him. But I, um, I do believe it. And what you're saying, you know what, this gets people involved, like period, the end. At the end of the day, whether you're at Orange Theory or you're at, you know, a CrossFit or somewhere, you are working. You have that, you know, you have that tribe mentality. You are getting something done. And, you know, we want to make sure people out there know that do something. You know, obviously, we want you moving. We want you safe. We want you with a trainer who is, you know, educated as well, which is great because everything you were talking about with millennials and and the... um 
the ability for people to be, you know, relatable is so important. You can have all the education up the wazoo, yet if you're not someone who could see a big picture and make someone feel amazing, even if it's just going up to someone saying, you know what, you're working really hard today and I've seen some results. I mean, you make their freaking lifetime by saying that. You know, it's, you know, those touches are really any fitness program I've ever been involved in. You give high fives. I mean, you don't know this, but Brian actually has his fitness fitness company is what, Brian? High five health and fitness. (laughs) (laughs) That's the name. (laughs) I love it. You know what? I got. I got the name because whenever I dropped my kiddos, kids off at daycare, I, I would give like, you know, I gave a high five to a kid once and then the next kid came running up and then the next day there was a line of kids and I was giving out high fives every morning and it's, you know, it's the international signal of good job. And, uh, you know, so, yeah. <laughs> now, Brian, here's my question for you. Go. Do you know how to teach people how to do a high five right? Oh, 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 oh my goodness. That's a lot of pressure. Yeah. Well, I have. Okay. All right. Good. Do you have a presentation on this? Where can I view this presentation? A very good tip. And and I literally make sure I'm like, all right, guys, let's see you high five. And some of them are awesome. And other people miss their hands, you know, and they uh-huh. kind of, you know, oh, I'm like, all right, listen, you're going to do it right. Here's what you do. You watch the elbow. Okay. Yes. You watch the elbow. The I do know that. Right. And you are never going to miss that high five. I do ever. know that. Yes. I saw. I, I thank you. <laughs> I, you I, knew. I, I is, there know. is there a the test? Is there a test on this? <laughs> yeah. No. You that, are that's it. Yeah, because and I, and I, we learned that. I learned that from a. I learned that from a little league coach because we were a mess. We couldn't hit the high five. And he says, watch the elbow and you'll never miss. That's exactly right. I, I mean, he wasn't much of a presenter himself. You know, I think he uh, I think he cleaned pools like the guy from the Bad News Bears. But, uh, yeah, it, it was it was effective. I have tricks that I do. So, like, if a kid hits my hand in a high five, I take my hand and I hit my forehead with it like he's super strong. And, and then, he, you know, it makes him, oh. yeah, cracks up. So, uh, yeah, we got I got that some. Good. Yes. Brian's yeah. Brian's really talented. <laughs> he's, he's not just like a he's not just a great endurance athlete he's also like I'm a fun, magician I'm fun at parties my daughter who's five talks about brian all the time because he does that finger trick where he pulls his thumb off mommy uh. mommy how does brian how does brian pull his thumb off and i'm like very carefully sweetheart <laughs> what? Oh, yeah you got to be careful with that it scares people it sometimes does. it does so irene <laughs> Tell us what what is your most favorite thing right now to present or lecture about? What's what's your what's kind of your heart in right now? Well, you know, I, I wrote a book. I don't know if you know this, but um, a couple of years ago it was published. It's called The Hit Advantage for Women. Yes. I interval training. It's not just for women, but it just so happens to be that's a market that I tend to focus on a lot because I'm a woman and I just tend to – I'm interested in hormones and the way estrogen plays a role and – and, you know, menopause, how things disappear, and during pregnancy, how things randomly appear, and it's really interesting, but um, right now, I'm really interested in the more in-depth research on high-intensity interval training. What we tend to do a lot of is high-volume interval training, not necessarily high-intensity interval training, and we're also doing a lot of VIT, which is um, volume or it's, it's also referred to as variable intensity interval training. And so what pe- a hit is really athletic. So if you're actually doing hit, 
you are able to, it's more of a, an objective measurement of success. It's not subjective. So if somebody is performing a movement pattern and then they perform it again and there's a 10% decrement in movement, like we call that movement decay, highly predictable. People get tired. They're right. fatigued. They can't perform at the exact same level. Um, that would be called, and they're doing a lot of them. So let's say they're doing five set reps and then they're doing 10 sets of that. Let's just say, for example. Well, by the time they get to set number eight, of those five reps, you can expect a decrement in performance. Wouldn't wouldn't that be reasonable expectation? They're going to be tired. Sure. I mean, if they could do, you know, five in 20 seconds, maybe now they're only able to do three and a half in 20 seconds. That would be an example of an HVIT, and we do a lot of that, but a lot of trainers don't really understand the difference. A hit would be a football player that's, you know, trying to get into a combine, and he's running 40, you know, yards in a certain amount of time. Well, that particular athlete is not going to be able to perform well you know what it's okay if you do 10 seconds of that 40 meter or that 40 yard dash you know let's just do a ton of those um no that's not a performance goal that is a subjective fatigue goal i mean that person is going to perceive themselves as fatigued but for them to actually make the mark and actually make the combine that 40 yard dash has to be performed in six seconds or less so if it's a true hit, performance decrement is not going to exist. And that usually doesn't happen in a fitness environment. Do you see what I mean? And so what we're really doing is HVIT, but people are like, oh, we're doing HIIT training, yay! And I know it's kind of splitting hairs, but it's really interesting to me because of the way the energy systems work in those two, in those two ways. And I just, that's kind of what I'm into right now. Really excited. I'm presenting a session with Doris Hughes and Abby Apple at World Idea in um, June in San Diego. And it's called Hit Like a Girl. Um, I'm in charge of the science part. And so we're going to be talking about that. We're also going to look at the, the changes that happen between women and men. Because there's a difference in high-intensity interval training between women and men. It's different. Huh. That's amazing. Tell, tell us how. What, what, yeah. what are the main differences that you see? Well, not only from a physiological point of view with respect to the size of a heart, a woman's heart is smaller. Her blood vessels are smaller. She has less lean mass. What that means is she doesn't have the same amount of blood flowing. Men have about a billion more red blood cells than women do. Wow. So their ability to translate oxygen into energy, make ATP, get rid of waste products, it's superior. I'm sorry, I don't mean to be rude to women, but men have an advantage. They do. And it's a crescendo effect because some women have their menstrual cycle. And estrogen wreaks havoc on your ability to transfer the end product or the end result of anaerobic glycolysis in particular is pyruvate. And that has two fates. It's translated into either the mitochondria that's right around the muscle you have a lot of it or you don't. That's very genetically determined and training-based, but for sure genetics. Or it's translated into lactate and hydrogen, and then it goes a different way. But your ability to utilize that requires type 2 muscle fiber, lean mass in particular. Hmm. Men have more. more. But, the, but what's really interesting, the takeaway is women work harder. Oh, oh yeah. Isn't that true? <laughs> no, they're, they're tougher. They're, they're tougher and they work harder. Yep. They really do. That's all I have to say about that. That's what's so interesting. It's like, okay, guys, bottom line, women work harder. And people are like, well, how did you get to that conclusion? I'm like, let me tell you. 
but you know, sometimes do, do you know that? Like, do you know that I actually have I I have a group of men that it started off with them wanting their own classes, and because of that. It was like it was like remember curves back in the day, you know? It was like it was like the opposite of curves. They were like, "All right, get me out of here. I need my own class for just me." And it was the men's group. I call it the gentlemen's club, but you know, they um but they it. because because the women were they were just they're tougher, they're harder workers, and they they uh believe it or not, in most cases they they complain a lot less and talk a lot less. <laughs> and and the men, you know, I I had to give them their own space. And uh, their own hour, you know, for twice a week. It was pretty, you know. That is so funny. Yeah, I, um, I, I agree. Yeah, and but you know, women are women. We're unique and special, and we have different gifts. And it doesn't matter because at the end of the day, everybody just wants to be healthier, and they just want to feel good. And you know, this is something that people are like. Oh, you know, how you look doesn't matter. Oh, yeah. How you look does matter. Don't give me that aesthetic bull crap that you don't think that's important. <laughs> that is a huge motivator for sure. Giant. Absolutely. Just on the psyche alone. Yeah. Oh yeah. All right. So that is – so idea you're going to be at and you're going to be lecturing about that. I am. I okay. am doing three sessions at Bold Idea. I'm doing one called The Art of 32, and that's something that a lot of people – don't learn anymore. I know at the college level in particular, my students don't understand the 32 count phrase. They have no need to. There's so many group training venues around and boot camps that really understanding how to move to the 32 count phrase, you know, that aerobics music that my husband's like, oh my God, this music is so terrible. It all sounds the same. Yep, it sure does all sound the same. It's designed to sound the same. That's why it all sounds the same. But using it is another matter, and we make the assumption that people understand how to use the music, but a lot of times they don't. So I'm doing a session on that, and I'm doing an outdoor boot camp. Um, it's no equipment outdoor workout, so I'm going to be in a park in San Diego, and I'm doing partner work, pacing work. Um, it's all equipment-free, so it's just a group. You know, I, I'm thinking a large group. I'm not really sure, but my numbers, they looked big when I looked before. Um, and it's just outdoor and just keeping in mind all the things that have to happen when you do outdoor workouts. It's, it's really advantageous for gyms and for trainers to take people outside as long as they have the ability to do that with respect to legal rights because some cities require permits. But it's great to do community. You know, you can do it pro bono. You can be karma-based when you do classes like that and give people the opportunity to utilize their um, nature spaces in their community, and you can facilitate that. You can also create a presence for yourself as a trainer or a fitness professional, and you can also mentor other trainers because a lot of young trainers don't know how to do outdoor workouts. They don't really know how to organize that. So I'm going to um, teach that, and then I've got the hit like a girl, and I'm super, super excited. I have been nominated for Fitness Instructor of the Year. Yeah. And yeah. Year. I might win. I could. Oh, that's exciting. Possible. Oh, I'm really excited I for know. you. I'm so excited. I Is this your first nomination? Serious competition, but I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna go to the ceremony and see what happens. So this is your first nomination for this? This is my third nomination. Okay. All right. You know what? Third time's a charm. Yeah. Let's do it. And we're gonna third time's a charm. Exactly. Right. We're gonna campaign for you too. So we're we're you know. <laughs> and you know what's more important? That you show up. That's what it's about. You keep at it and you keep showing up. That is it. Yeah. It's a huge, giant, huge privilege to even be nominated in the top three. I don't even 
I mean, I mean, I don't want to say like, oh, I don't care if I win. Of course, I care if I win. Right. But yeah. it doesn't. It's not even about that. It's about just being being recognized. It's it's so interesting because in our industry, there's so much insecurity. We're always like, oh my gosh, was my session good enough? Was my no. class good enough? Do people like me? Am I going to get good evals? You know, the, uh, it's so full of self doubt. So much so that. Even, you know, something like this being recognized, I'm still like, oh, my gosh, do I deserve this? Should I be in the top three? <laughs> yes, you sh- yes. yes, you do. Okay. We'll get that right out of your head right now. We're going to love you till you can love yourself. <laughs> oh, man. Well, well, I ask other people to do it, so I better do it. Congratulations on that nomination. I mean, that's, I mean, that's on my bucket list. Brian, you want to be on a bucket oh, list with that? Yeah. It absolutely is. Because you know what? It's the top of the top of the industry. And it's people like you who believe in other people and believe in the fact that you are going to work really hard because we, we talk to a lot of people, even ourselves, that this is not an easy industry. It's not like you just sit back and you're lucky and you meet someone and you make a ton of money. No, you work darn hard to to make a name for yourself like in anything and it's not easy and there's days where you doubt yourself like you said you might have 50 great evals and that one eval that's like you know what i didn't really like her because i think she but it's same thing you focus on that i mean we all do it sometimes and it and it's ridiculous because you've just affected change positive things on 50 people and that one you let affect you and you know what that's that's what life, this is life. Yeah. And it's just. That's one of the things I'm, I'm grateful for with my age. And you had, you mentioned it, Christine. It's about just that hard work. It's 99% perseverance, 1% opportunity and luck. And, um, so, you know, that one person, I don't really ever get haters anymore. I'm sure they are out there and I'm sure they probably have their opinions or whatever, but I rarely get people because from, from Jump Street, I let people know, guys, I love you. I'm glad you're here. My workshop. This yeah. is how it's going to go. <laughs> and usually they're like, okay. And I'm not trying to be a jerk or, you know, like super conceited or anything, but I don't necessarily believe, you know, I know that there's lots of ways to do things, but right now, I'm right. <laughs> that's how I roll. That's what I do. That's I honestly it. had to learn how to do that. And you really do. And then people will come, you know, and they'll be like, well, this is how I think. And that's wonderful. That's one of the things that's so great about the exercise science area in particular and the fitness industries. There's lots of ways to do everything. Nothing's really right. It's just some things may be better for some people. But I'll tell you, as an educator, if you're the one up there standing in front of all the people, you better know you're right. If you don't know you're right, you shouldn't be standing up in front of those people. Amen. There you go. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yep. So, <laughs> so, 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 Irene, with all that, we're gonna we're gonna wrap this up with you. We appreciate you coming on greatly. It's uh, been really fantastic talking. She's a rock star, no, isn't she, well, she's, Yeah, she's up for the nomination oh for my the gosh. trainer of the year. Uh, where can we find you? Where can people find, you know, either in your lectures, your books, like where, you know, where, where can we find you on social media? Um, I am Irene Lewis McCormick on Facebook. I am at Irene McCormick three on Instagram and Twitter. Um, I have, my books are available on human kinetics and amazon.com. And I'm actually right now in the process of writing a new book on rowing for fitness. Wow. Indoor rowing for fitness. Yes. Because it's needed. We don't have, there's what's out there and people are rowing. A lot of people are rowing now and they just don't understand 
how to do it. I want to read that book. Well, here, here's what happened. Just this past weekend, uh, the, uh, uh, the gym that I work at, the uh, one of the owners of the gym, his wife, uh, unfortunately, had a brain tumor, and she uh, went through a, a hard time with it, and she did pass away. And they hold a oh. row, a row for hope, in her honor. And this was the second annual, and it is a half marathon row. And people wow. people did it solo, but most everybody did it as a relay. There was, you know, four participants on a team. And, you know, we kind of just jumped in and out every 500 meters or so. Uh, they oh, yeah. Concept 2 was there. They wired all – there were 95 teams. I think there was 100 teams all together. So we're talking four or 500 people in a gym. And they wired all of the rowers together so that they had a big screen and you had real-time results going on as the row was going on. It was amazing. How it many was, rowers were there? There was, wow. I mean, there was like really like 400 or so people there rowing. Uh, and they said that it was the largest that they knew of, the largest uh, indoor, you know, or largest rowing event, half marathon rowing event ever um, held. Honestly, and that is probably true. It was, I bet that is it Cool. It was really cool. Wow. I, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to tag you in some of the pictures and things like that because I think you need to that see it. I think That's Irene awesome. needs to come and like with your book next year I and be there so. for that. And you know, let's pump you and teach yeah. people how to row and for a good yeah. cause. Here you go, bam! Yeah. I just I can't wait to see you guys in Philly. Oh, it's going to be fun. Oh, it's it's on. It's on like Donkey Kong, Irene. <laughs> Just as long as you understand that it's our presentation, <laughs> Irene. Okay, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Oh, so great. So pleased that you guys invited me to your podcast. Thank you so much for having me on. Well, thank you, Irene, thank for you. Uh, getting out there. Our pleasure. And uh, keep affecting change in this world for positive positive ways and uh you are amazing and we thank you so much and with that said my name is christine conti and i'm brian prendergast and we are two fit crazes and the microphone we are where it's at peace